and welcome to OBSCast, brought to you by the medical students of UCD and RCSI. Please note that this podcast is for educational purposes only, and it does not constitute medical advice. Please consult your doctor if you have any concerns about your health or pregnancy. These podcasts were created in accordance with RCOG guidelines. My name is Ray, and in this episode we will be discussing the surgical management of miscarriage. You are a doctor working in obstetrics and you're about to enter a patient room to consent Miss Margaret Daly, a 37-year-old woman who has just been diagnosed with her second miscarriage, which has come as a terrible shock. She presents to the hospital with pain and heavy bleeding and has been diagnosed with an incomplete miscarriage. That is, that she has passed the gestational sac, but a large piece of placenta is still present. She was 11 weeks pregnant. Hello, Miss Daly. My name is Ray. I'm one of the doctors on the team looking after you. How are you feeling today? Do you prefer Miss Daly or Margaret? Margaret is fine, thanks. Margaret, can I just start off by saying how sorry I am to hear about what has happened to you? Yeah, it's been quite tough. Uh, this is the second time this has happened to my husband and I, so we're devastated. We just really want a baby and it's just not happening. I'm really sorry. Um, is your partner able to join us today? No, he can't take the day off work. It's very hard on you both. You mentioned earlier, and I've seen it in your notes, that this happened to you a year ago previously. I regret to say you probably know the details of your options now from your first experience, but then I'll have to go through it now again with you in order to get your consent. Is that okay with you? Yes, that's fine. And please stop me at any stage if there's anything you want to ask me. Margaret, what you're going through is what we call an incomplete miscarriage, which means that there is still some part of the placenta in your uterus, and that is why you're experiencing a lot of physical pain and bleeding. You have a couple of options to treat this. One is to wait for the body to pass the tissue, and this may take some time. The second is to take the medications, and these will give you some contractions. I believe that you've tried these before and they didn't suit you. Yes, they didn't really work for me. I know it's a good option for others, especially if they want to avoid surgery, but I just want this over as quickly as possible, really. Fair enough. In that case, I agree that it may be best we treat this with surgery to remove it. It is great that the nursing staff have kept you fasting as this makes it easier for us and, and yourself. We will bring you up to theatre in a while and be placing you under an anaesthetic, meaning you will be asleep for the entire procedure. Before you undergo the surgery, we will ask you to take a tablet which will help to soften the cervix and make the operation and recovery a bit easier. We will clean down the area to reduce the chance of introducing infection. Then a tube will be passed into your womb through the neck of the womb to remove the tissue. We will give you some medications to prevent further bleeding. The surgery will take about 15 minutes, then you have to go to recovery to be monitored for a short while and then back to the ward. Once you've had something to eat and drink and gone to the bathroom, you should be able to go home. Your partner can collect you as you've had an anaesthetic. I would suggest you take some time off work for the next few days to give yourself a break during this difficult time. Does this all sound okay? Yes, I think so. Okay, so I will have to go through the risks with this type of surgery before we go any further with it. Is that okay? Yes. Margaret, once you wake up and you're back in your room on the ward, you may experience some cramping, like a really bad period pain, which can continue for a few days afterwards. In most women, it will usually get better by itself, but I'll give you some pain relief to take home if you need. In 2% of cases, an infection may occur. If you start to get a high temperature, fever or chills, and you think the pain is getting worse, come back into the hospital and we will look after you and give you the medications that you need. There may also be a bit of bleeding for up to two weeks and this tends to start and stop but it will gradually disappear by itself. However, some women will see heavy bleeding which does not stop after two weeks and will instead start to get worse. 
If you notice this, it is important for you to ring us here at the hospital. This could indicate a complication that we will need to investigate further. We try to do these operations as gently as we can, but there are rare and more serious complications that we will need to look out for. These are where after an operation, a patient can have adhesions, which are pieces of scar tissue forming in the womb following the procedure. Only 13% of these are severe, but they can have an impact on your fertility for future pregnancies. There's also a small risk of trauma to the neck of the womb, which we try to minimize by giving you a tablet beforehand. A tear in the uterine wall is called perforation. This is also rare, but it can be serious and may damage surrounding organs. In some cases, we may need to do an emergency operation, which means making an incision across the belly and fixing the tear. In very, very rare cases, a hysterectomy may be required, where we need to remove the womb if the damage is too severe. But as I say, this is very unlikely. I will stress to you, Margaret, that this only occurs in rare emergencies, and we have to inform every patient about it in the unlikely event that it has to happen. You're also getting a general anesthetic, which can have a few side effects in the days following. People can sometimes experience nausea or vomiting and may have a dry mouth or sore throat as well as drowsiness. There is a serious but very rare risk of an allergic reaction to the anaesthetic in about 1 in 10,000 cases. This tends to be immediate. Have you been put to sleep for a surgery before? Yeah, yeah, and it was all fine. Well then you're probably aware of these side effects and there's just something to watch out for. Have I explained everything to you clearly? clearly? Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything that uh, I think I understand that all. It's just, it's a, it's a lot to take in. I understand, yes, there's a lot of information to take in and I'm sorry to be overwhelming you at such a terrible time. A lot of, a lot of women in your situation, Margaret, do however make a very straightforward recovery after this procedure and the complication rate overall is about 6% and most of these are very mild complications. Are there any other options for treating my miscarriage? Yes, I'll discuss these options with you now. As I understand, you were managing this miscarriage expectantly for the last 10 days. Isn't yeah. that right? Yeah, that's right. So we usually would ask women like yourself to manage it like this for one to two weeks. I understand this has also happened in your previous experience without any complications. Given the fact that you are currently experiencing heavy bleeding, we think the surgery option is best. It also has been a number of days since it happened, which increases the chance of infection and also prolongs the physical pain you are experiencing. However, there is also a non-surgical option of taking medicine. That's what, what we call mesoprostol, which will help the uterus to push. You could take this at home or in the hospital and it helps us to get the tissue out. A lot of women can find this very frightening and it can come with very painful cramping. It can also cause a lot of bleeding, which is why we advise against it for your case, as well as the risk of you having to have the surgery if it, afterwards if it did not work. I would just prefer to wait it out without surgery, honestly. Like surely it will eventually pass. I, I just don't want to run the risk the surgery will make my chances of having a baby in the future impossible. I completely understand and yes, if this is your preference then we would ideally want to adopt a watch and wait method. However, expected management like this is associated with a longer duration of bleeding and given the nature of your bleeding currently, we would be making the risk of you needing a blood transfusion higher as well as running the risk of you needing an unplanned intervention down the line. Unfortunately, an emergency procedure may be included in this. As I explained to you earlier, there is that risk of the scar tissue developing in the uterus but in 60% of cases, this is mild and will not have a significant impact on your future pregnancies. Okay, yes, uh, I suppose that makes sense. Margaret, if it's okay, I would like to ask you one further question that is a hard one to hear. 
Have you thought if you are planning a burial or cremation ceremony when you feel ready? Some women after the procedures will request the tissue to be given to them going home and I just want to make sure you know that that is an option. We also send off a little sample of the tissue to the lab afterwards just to see if there are any causes as to why this has happened. We are looking to see if it was a thing called a molar pregnancy as this would be important to know. Some women find it easier to cope afterwards if they are able to establish a cause. But it can also be reassuring if the tests come back normal. There was no obvious reason if you're thinking of trying again. Yes, I would want that, please. Of course, we can arrange that and we'll discuss it with you when you come out of surgery. I will write everything we've discussed today down for you in case you want to check on anything. I'll also include a list of support groups on some websites that are good at giving advice and this will be of some help. Again, my sincere, sincerest condolences to you on your loss and please let us know here at the hospital if there's anything we can do to make this easier for you. Thank you. This podcast was written by Emily O'Hanlon and voiced by Ray Ardell and Captain McDonald. Links to the written notes and sources used in this podcast are included in the description. We would like to thank Professor Mary Higgins for her help and expertise in creating this podcast and also to Kevin Murphy for letting us use his recording studio. Thank you for listening to this episode of Obscast. We hope that you found it useful and you join us again soon.